we start a new year, we start out with all the energy and aspirations and New Year's resolutions, but then slowly things change as life piles in on us. And I wonder if that's where you're at this morning, or if that's the story of your life up to now, every single year. Well, let's see what God's Word says to us about how can we approach the new year in the name of Jesus Christ? How can we reach the end of a year and still be energized by Him? What does He say to us? And we're looking in the Old Testament in the book of Micah. It's the second sermon we in this book. Um, Micah chapter 6. And we're going to read together verses 1 to 8 of that chapter and then look specifically at verses 6 to 8. So Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. Reading in verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against His people, and He will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness or mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Word of the Lord to us. Now turn with me, if you would, to another Old Testament book, Hosea, chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. Just a little bit before Micah, the book of Hosea. Chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. Again, the Lord speaks about how His people approach Him in worship. With their flocks and herds they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. So, as we said last week, we start at the start of the new year and it will be good if we could sow good seeds into this year. Because good seeds will produce good fruits, right? If we sow bad seeds, we will reap bad fruit. 
And so you might have come up with your good seed of a New Year's resolution. And it could be a really good one. I'm going to be a better Christian. That should be a good one, right? How are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to be more religious. I'm going to get a Bible upgrade. This old one of mine's getting a bit tatty, so I'm going to get a new one. New one. And if it's on your phone, well, I'm going to get the latest version and upgrades and free ads. Or I'm going to come to church every single Sunday, and that's going to be what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to sit in the very front row from the beginning, because everyone always fills up from the back. And I'm going to sing the loudest. I'm going to increase my giving. I'm going to be a better Christian by being more religious. Or, a really good one, I'm going to worship God better. And that's good. We, want, we all want to worship God better. How are we going to do that? I'm going to pray publicly. I've been too scared up to now, but now I'm going to risk it and pray in public. I'm going to even take sermon notes. I didn't last year because I lost concentration, but I want to take sermon notes this year. Good things. I'm even going to sign up to a new Bible app called Explore, and I'm going to read it every single day without fail. And I'm going to even correspond with Marty in case I do fail so he can encourage me to do so. Because I know he reads Explore. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm even going to join the worship team. I can sing on two notes, but I want to serve the Lord in this way. So I'm going to join the worship team so I can be a better Christian. And here's the ultimate. I'm going to train to be a pastor. Yeah. The ultimate experience of being a Christian, right? You see, these, a lot of things are good things, and I'm saying them tongue-in-cheek, but a lot of these are good things, and they will help you to be a better believer and to walk your walk before the Lord. But is that what the Lord wants from you this year? You see, we attempt various ways of worshipping before the Lord. Judah, the, the nation we've been reading about in the book of Micah, and I gave most of the introduction last week, but I'll just recap a little bit. Judah had been criticized by the prophet, by God, through the prophet, for their unfaithfulness to God over the last 500 years. They had forgotten God's past faithfulness to them. And we read a little bit about that in verse 4. God had been faithful to them when they were in slavery in Egypt. He had brought them out of slavery and He had taken them through the Red Sea when an army was pursuing them. He had opened the Red Sea to them and they had gone through on dry land. God had preserved them. They'd forgotten. When they came to the promised land, there was the swollen Jordan River before them because it was in flood. No man could cross it and live. But they had again crossed on dry land. Who had done that? God had done it for them. He had opened the way. And as the priest stepped into the water, the waters opened and they could walk through. God preserved them. But they'd forgotten. And the, over these 500 years, they'd even turned the blame back on God. We are not worshipping you, God, even though you say we don't, because we've got bored with normal worship of God. When we look at the nations around us, they've got exciting worship of their gods. They slay all kinds of things, and they come to their gods with all kinds of interesting gifts. But we've just got normal, boring worship, God. 
And that's why we've turned to the worship of the gods around us. They've got more exciting worship, as many do today. And so God comes through the prophet, especially verses 6 to 8 that we've looked at, that we're going to concentrate on, and he puts himself in the words of a would-be worshipper. And he puts these statements before them that, that a would-be worshipper would put before God to, to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to worship you better if I will do the following things. And he asks the, the, the question in the end, is that what God wants from, from you? And so let's look at these first statements. Verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? I know. God wants me to be more religious. He wants, he wants, up, he wants me to up the ante in what we bring to Him. He wants me to up the ante in how I worship Him. He wants more costly worship as the nations do around us. So how shall I come to Him? I'll come to Him with better burnt offerings. I was bringing a lamb up to now, but now I'll bring a full-grown, valuable sheep to the Lord. Surely God will take notice of that. And by the way, God, it all burns up and I don't get anything out of it. Take note of my, of my sacrifice. Or perhaps I'll go the whole hog, to use a very non-Jewish expression. Perhaps I'll go the whole hog and bring a year-old calf to the Lord. They used to call these year-old calves shekel calves. Why? Because you could sacrifice this calf after seven days of life. But if you kept it for a whole year and you pumped a whole lot of shekels into it and you looked after it, you fed it, you watered it, it became even more valuable. I can bring my shekel calf before the Lord. Surely God will see that costly sacrifice and be pleased with my worship. So, does God want more costly sacrifice? Let's up the ante. Verse 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So, as a would-be worshipper, the prophet now ups the ante and he says, well, what about off-the-scale worship? Will God be pleased with extravagant worship? Will the Lord be pleased with instead of just one ram, if I brought to him off the scale thousands of rams, like David and Solomon did in reality before the Lord? They, they slaughtered thousands of lambs and rams at a time. And if I brought thousands of rams before the Lord, will he be satisfied? This unimaginable number of our best breeding stock, the future of my whole economic survival, if I put that before the Lord, will He be pleased with me and my worship? If instead of just some olive oil which got poured over the sacrifice, if I brought before the Lord ten times thousand, ten thousand, ten times unimaginable number of rivers or torrents of wadis flowing with olive oil, if I brought that before the Lord, would He be satisfied with my worship? Or, horror of horrors, if I gave my firstborn as an offering for my sin, will He listen to me then? 
Now the nations around Israel were doing that. They were offering their sons and their daughters to the Lord as living sacrifices. They were burning them before the Lord, before their gods. And even the Israelites had copied them. And God's people had been imitating the nations around them. You go back to 2 Kings chapter 16. 2 Kings chapter 16. I'll give you two examples of two kings. King Ahaz. 2 Kings chapter 16 verse 2 to 3. This is what Ahaz the king of Israel did. He, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And then there's another king, King Manasseh, Second Kings 21, verse 6. This is what he did. And Manasseh built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with wizards. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking God to anger. So those were Israelites also offering their sons and daughters. And so, Lord, if I offered the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, will that be good enough for you? Now we know, having read the whole of Scripture, that there's a fatal flaw in their thinking. What's the fatal flaw? That they're trying to use human blood as in a flawed man to atone for man's sin. Can't be done. You see, only a perfect man could bring perfect blood and cover man's sin. And who was that? That was the Messiah who was to come. The Messiah had to come. Because of this thinking which was in the minds of God's people. And so back to this argument. So Lord, even if it were possible that the sacrifice of my firstborn would pay for my sin, God, would you then be satisfied? Is this what you're after, God? And the answer coming back to them from God all the time is, no, it's not good enough. It's impossible. And for you, it's going to be too demanding. So what then are the requirements for true worship before the Lord? And we find them in verse 8 and in that song we've sung. What are the requirements for true worship before the Lord? It's this. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So what does God require from us? You see, He requires more from us than just outward religion. And so buying your new Bible and depending on that to be a, new, a better Christian before God, that's not going to help you. And sitting right in the front and singing the loudest, that's not going to help you. And training to be a pastor and qualifying and preaching from a pulpit, if you depend on that to be a good worshipper before the Lord, God says it's not enough. It's not good enough. Why? Because we are coming in the way that we want to worship God, not in the way that He requires. These things are all outward shows of religion and religious fervor. And that's not what the Lord wants. He does not want frenzied religious activity. Some people think I'm more holy if I do more holy things. 
and the more and more and more holy things I do, and I haven't got a spare moment for myself anymore, well, that's going to make me more holy before the Lord. And so I've got to go to Rome, and I've got to do this, and I've got to climb those steps, and I've got to say so many prayers a day. That doesn't do anything before the Lord. Actually, it turns God away from that person. He turns His back on these repetitive things. Because that's not what God requires of us. What does He require from us? He requires from us a faithful life. He does not want outward worship. He wants the heart of worship. He wants a heart which worships Him first. And so as we're going to 2019, and if you want to be a better believer before the Lord, then give Him your heart first. Worship Him first. With everything in you, Christ first in my life. He has told you, O man, what is good to God, to Him. And what the Lord requires of you. What does the Lord require of you? This is not a suggestion. What does the Lord require of you and I as believers? A requirement is something we must do. What is it? To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. What does He mean by that? To do justice. Sounds a lot, like a lot of doing things now, Calvin. You're starting to go into a little bit of rule stuff now. It's not about that. It is how we do these things. To do justice before the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 18 says this. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God. There's the first one. Do you have reverence for the Lord your God? Do you put Him first in your life? That's not all. To walk in all His ways. In other words, I've got to have reverence for God and therefore I'm to be obedient to Him in everything that I do. And that's not all. To love Him, says the Old Testament. To love Him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. That's where this phrase in Malachi comes from, in Micah comes from. It's from the Old Testament there. And that sounds New Testamental, because that's exactly what Jesus said to us. We have to worship Him with our hearts, with all of us. To do justice, to act fairly towards others in every single thing I do. So think of all those transactions you might have to do this year. Are you acting fairly towards that person? that you're working with. When you are tempted to lose your temper because they've pushed in front of you in the traffic, are you doing fairly towards that person? In every negotiation, in every interaction you have with others, are you doing justice to them? It doesn't end there, by the way. When you look around you and you see injustice being done, what are you doing as a believer? When you see people struggling with homelessness, when you see them struggling financially, when you see them struggling with human rights, slave trafficking, even in Auckland, what are we doing about it as believers? Because our responsibility before the Lord is to do justice and to plead for the widow and for the fatherless before Him. What are we doing practically for the need we see to, around us? Are we doing justice before the Lord? You see the heart is what matters before Him. Do we see them with our hearts, as Jesus did, and then do something about it? Do we love mercy, the heart attitude which guides the action which comes from that? Do we love showing kindness, yes, even to the unlovely, to the rejected, to the undeserving, those everyone else avoids? 
Do we go out of our way as believers and show them love? And do we do it without grumbling? Oh, I'd better do this, my good deed for the day. Do we show others love and mercy and justice? You see, Jesus said to us, and it's described in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. John 13, verse 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. If they can see, those in the world can see that you are showing justice towards each other. If they can see that you are loving one another, then it will speak about me and the love I have for you. It will be a testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's not all. The third thing is, we are to not just to do justice, to love mercy, but to walk humbly with our God. And this is the hardest one. This speaks about that everyday relationship with the Lord. It's the opposite to the person described in Proverbs 11 verse 2 who is arrogant, presumptuous and full of themselves. This person who is humble before the Lord recognizes who God is. He is my creator, awesome, holy God. I am a creation of His. He is God. I am human. He is all strong. I am very weak. He is God. I am human. It speaks about humility. It speaks about obedience to God as a result of this. To walk with God is an expression of, of living and acting as I walk my life with Him and honoring Him. Just as the patriarchs did of old. Think of Enoch. Who was Enoch? Anyone know? Enoch? Famous old dead guy all right, in the Bible. All right, Enoch. And Enoch, and this is the testimony written across his life, and I pray that this would be the testimony across my life. Enoch walked with God. Wow! Have that on my tombstone. But you've got to be humble to do that. Enoch walked with God. How old was he when he started walking with God? He wasn't a Christian from when he was born. He wasn't a Christian when he became a teenager. Enoch became a Christian when he was a believer, rather. He became a believer when he was 65 years old. Okay, he lived longer than us. And he remained a believer for the next 300 years. And he was 365 when the Lord took him. And all that time, Enoch walked with God. How old do you feel today? You can't stop walking with the Lord at 85. Enoch had just started. We need to walk with God every day of our lives. That is to be obedient to Him, to walk humbly with your God. You see, Enoch's, Enoch was known as a friend of God. His heart was in friendship with God's heart. And God's heart was in friendship with Enoch's heart. Wow. And God is a holy God. Would you be in friendship with God's heart this year. Well, is that the solution then? Me fulfilling my God's requirements before Him this year. Is that the solution? Yes and no. 
Yes, because God requires these things of you. He requires you to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. He requires those things of you. But you can't do this by yourself, so no. You can't do this by yourself. You can't please God in your own strength. Because if you try, you're going to set yourself up for failure in 2019. If you're going to try and please God with your own strength, you're going to fail, not just in January, but midway through January. In actual fact, later today, possibly tomorrow. You see, we can, if we try without God, we can even try and do right things, but we will fail. It's a sure way to parallel to paralyze our activity for God. It's to try in our own strength. So when we think of God's requirements and our own failures, we can only go for a little while and then we run out of energy because it's overwhelming on us. And so how are we going to worship God? And this is my so what this morning. How are we going to worship Him? We're going to worship God as we walk with Him. Worship God as you walk with God. Walk with God as you worship Him. Do you see they connected? The one is not an action I come and do here. I am now worshipping God. And now I'm not worshipping God anymore. Now I'm going about my daily task. No. The one equals the other. Worshipping God equals walking with God. Walking with God equals worshipping God. You worship God as you walk with God. How do we do that? We do that in those mundane, those small moments of life. And yes, we all start the New Year's resolutions with big resolutions. This year I'm going to lose 25 kilograms and I go to the gym day one, day two, day three, day seven, day 27. Change is not going to come by big changes. Change is going to come by the small mundane moments walking with Jesus Christ and allowing Him to change us in those small mundane moments. Otherwise you will lose the energy. You see, change is important for us as we start a year because we all want to be like Christ if you're a believer. But the reality is that few of us have made immediate and significant life changes because of a single New Year's resolution. It's too big. And the Christian life, except for, for the moment of rebirth, doesn't rest its hope in big moments of change. The Christian life has its hope in the transforming work of grace, even in those little mundane moments, those small daily commitments before the Lord, those 10,000 moments in this year that the Lord might give us. If the change comes in those little moments, by the time you come to the end of the year, you will have changed. How do you turn a super tanker. It's not one violent movement. You turn a super tanker degree by degree. Every degree brings change until it's turned around. And so ch change will happen in those 10,000 little moments and not in one life-altering event. And we live most of our existence in those mundane, everyday little moments. And you know, the beautiful thing about the Gospel is that Jesus Christ offers us grace for each of those little moments. The Bible doesn't say, His mercies are new once a year. What does the Bible say? Lamentations 3.22 verse 2.23 says this, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. 
mundane moments. Every morning, I start my day walking with the Lord and I give those moments to Him. Lord, change me today as You will. You see, Jesus is named Emmanuel. We've just looked at this over Christmas. God with us. Why is that? He didn't just come to earth once and that's it. He came so that He could make you the place where He dwells every single day. God with you every day. And in those moments when He's dwelling with you, He brings His redemptive promises to work in your life, moment by moment. In those moments, He rescues you from you. In those little bits of time. I take great encouragement for that. Because I've tried the once a year New, New Year's resolution stuff for quite a few years. But this really gives me hope. It's not about big changes. It's about those little changes that Christ, the Sovereign Lord, makes in my life as He brings those promises that He's given me into play in those 10,000 little moments in my life. Those 10,000 moments which are designed to take me beyond my character, beyond my wisdom, beyond my abilities, so that I will only fall back on Jesus Christ. Then He changes me through His grace. If I try and do it on my own, I fail. And so in this lifelong process of change, He's undoing me and rebuilding me moment by moment into His likeness. There's the courage and the hope we have. And so yes, you and I need to be commitment, committed to change in 2019. But not in a way that hopes for a big event of transformation. We need to instead find joy in and be committed to a day-by-day, step-by-step process of change. Walking humbly with our God in true heart worship in the little moments of life. Worship Him as you walk. And so my prayer for you this morning is that 2019 will be a great and an awesome year for you as you worship God in the little moments, as you walk with your God by grace alone, through Christ alone. To Him be the glory this year. Let's see what He does in and through us as individuals and as a church in this community. We look forward with excitement to what God will do. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. And here, even in the Old Testament, Lord, there's so much richness there on how we can live before you. Lord, thank you that you have promised that you will change us to be like your Son. Jesus Christ, you are the author and you are the perfecter of our faith. Thank you that we can hold on to that promise and know that you change us moment by moment, step by step, as we hold on to you as we allow your grace to work in our lives and your change to come. Use us this year for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the building of your kingdom until you reappear, Lord Jesus, on that great day and with that great angel shouting and that trumpet blast when Jesus Christ reappears. We look forward to that day. Amen.